Happy New Year. Pam and I were not here to, to be with you in Erie at New Year. In fact, we, are, we had some friends that invited us to join them in, in Phoenix, Arizona. So we were there for New Year's and, and New Year's Eve. And, and so to let you know that it wasn't that great, it did snow in Phoenix that day. <laughs> so how's your first 11 days of 2015? Cold and snowy? How many of you ended up shoveling your sidewalk a lot this week? How many of you ended up shoveling your garage? <laughs> I did. I came home, shut the garage door, went to bed, get up the next morning and realized it had opened back up again. So I got to shovel out the garage. And Pam was kind enough to post it on Facebook. <laughs> Thank you, Pam. My favorite... Facebook post so far this year. It's from our own Adam Frano. You started to hear part of it. We're going to give it to you in just a moment. But, but as you know, Adam and Danielle have been appointed from Erie First as missionaries to the young adults of Erie. And doing that, they are also bivocational, and Adam has a plumbing business. And so on January 5th, he posted this post on Facebook. So here's my day. I am now stuck in the back of my work van. I uh, went to come grab some tools in the back here and the wind blew the door shut, which has no handles on the inside, which then I tried to get out my side door here, which is frozen solid. So I couldn't get out of that. And obviously there's a cage to my front wheels here. And, uh, so I'm stuck in the back here until the customer inside the house realizes the plumber's been missing for a while. I have a uh, piece of pipe here that I'm sticking through the cage and honking the horn constantly to try to get someone's attention because there's a freezing cold plumber sitting on a bucket locked in his van. That's how my day goes. How about yours? So the good news is this, he escaped, and he's worshiping with us this morning. Way to go, Adam. If you need a plumber, give him a call, but check on him regularly. <laughs> so you are here worshiping this morning. But the real question is this, have you escaped? Or are you one of those who still feels trapped? This week as we have fasted, as we've come to the end of this fast, I had just such a growing sense that one of the things God wanted to say to this community of faith is that the time has come that there is a season now where it's time to break free of those reoccurring bondages that keep you trapped. It could be a sense of poverty. I'll never get out of this. I'll always be this way. It, it, it could be uh, anxiety. It could be a fear that just haunts you and you can't get free from that thing. 
It could be a temptation that you cannot get over. It could be an addiction that you keep fighting and you say, I just can't get through that. And I have such a strong sense that God is saying right now that I am moving in your midst around you and through you that I want you now to start taking the steps necessary to get free from those reoccurring things and it's time for you to leave them behind. So the question is, are you one of those this morning? And you say, yeah, but, 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 but I've been, I, I'm trapped and I've been honking the horn for a while and nobody's rescuing me. And I feel like Jesus has, has just disappeared. If you look through the, the scriptures, one of the things you're going to find, especially as you get into the gospels, you'll find that Matthew, Mark, and Luke spend a significant time. There are those moments they spend significant time describing the very same occasion, the very same moment, the very same teaching. And when that happens, it's as if they have a clear sense that they're dealing with a major turning point in Jesus' history. Something that he has been hinting at, he is now making clear. And you're going to read about one of those moments this week in The Essential Jesus, which is a collection of 100 readings for 20 weeks, five readings a week that we as a community of faith have been reading through and, and we teach about it, about it uh, on a Sunday and then during the week you read about it. And this week it's, it's readings 51 through 55. And I want to encourage you, if you haven't started with us, that you stop by the media desk and get one of those books. They're $10. It'll take us through Easter. And if you say, I just don't have the money for that, just go to them and say, I'd like it as a gift because that's our gift to you. We want you to have that and join with us. Now, in the middle of your reading, of, of reading 51, you're, gonna, you're going to take your Bible and you're going to read Matthew 13. And in the middle of Matthew 13, you're going to discover that although Jesus is making something very clear, a lot of people are not going to get it. It's not going to happen. For here's what Jesus says, Matthew 13, 13. For they look, but they don't really see. They hear, but they don't really listen or understand. Some will stay trapped. Some will be in that cul-de-sac of reoccurring issues that they cannot break from. Jesus taught in parables. He was the master storyteller. And Matthew 13, as you'll discover this week, is absolutely packed full of parables. And a parable in its simplest form is simply a comparison. It is a putting of one thing beside another to just make a point. But here's the problem with parables, and it's described very well by author Robert Capon, and he says this, in resorting so often to parables, his main point was that any understanding of the kingdom his hearers could come up with would, with would be a misunderstanding. Mention Messiah to them, and they would picture a king on horseback, not a carpenter on a cross. Mention forgiveness, and they would start setting up rules about when it ran out. From Jesus' point of view, the sooner their misguided minds had the props knocked out from under them, the better. After all their yammer about how God should or shouldn't run his own operation, getting them just to stand there with their eyes popped out and their mouths shut would be a giant step forward. If we're going to escape, I think we've honestly got to come to this place that when we're dealing with Jesus and especially in our own lives, we've got to come to the place many times where we just go, wait, what? I don't get that. What is that? Because it is a mystery. And when we feel that we are trapped without Jesus, has everything to do 
with not understanding Jesus. So, sitting by the lake, crowded around by those who have come to hear him teach, he tells them this. There's a farmer who went out to plant crops and he began to sow seed. Now, the thing about sowing seed that I just find remarkable is that if I'm going to sow seed, I'm going to make sure it lands right in the proper place. This farmer is throwing it everywhere. He said some of it landed on the path that surrounds the field where people walk all the time and some of it landed there and as a result, the birds saw it, they came down and they picked it up and they ate it. Then there were some that landed on this, this ground that, that had some soil on it, but it's rocky underneath. It's, it's just solid rock. And, and so what happens is that it begins to take root, and you think the plant's going to grow, and then when the sun comes out, it scorches it, and it dies because it has no root system. So then he threw some others, and it looked like it was in really good soil, but as those crops grew, so did the weeds and the thorns, and, and they choked them out, and they died. Then he said there was some that landed on this really great soil and it came back with, with 30 and 60 and 100 times in its harvest. And then Jesus stopped and said, okay, that's it. And he said, what? What? The, what? What does that have to do with anything? You haven't connected anything. It's just, I mean, how would you like to sit down with somebody over at, at Eaton Park and they go, hey, let me tell you a story. And when they're done, you go, well, what was that? Where's the connection? I have no clue. So what do you do when the story doesn't make sense? What do you do when the story that you're in right now doesn't make sense? The the, the doctor's, the doctor's diagnosis to you doesn't make sense. How you're being treated at work doesn't make sense. The way things are going for you on campus, it doesn't make make sense. What's happening at home doesn't make sense. You've you've tried some some things, employment, and it's just not working out, and, and you don't know what the future is for you, and it doesn't make sense. What do you do with that when your story doesn't make sense? Some of these people heard the story that Jesus told, and they walked away, going, I have no idea what that's about. And they walked away. But there are others, especially those who were following him closely, who moved in close, they pursued him, they pushed in, and they said, okay, the thing with the story, what was that? Talk to me. And so Jesus responds to them and he says this, you are permitted to understand the secrets of the kingdom of heaven but others are not. And to those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given and they will have an abundance of knowledge. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. Even that is cloudy. So here's the deal. If you grasp, Jesus says, the fact that the kingdom of God functions in mystery and that you can't really grasp the mystery, but you grasp the fact that it is a mystery, Then, if you hold on to that fact that it is a mystery, but that you don't understand the mystery, then I will give you more understanding of what that mystery is. So, this last week, our son-in-law, Jesse, has gone into grieving and mourning because his 
his grandfather, a, a wonderful, great pioneer missionary in Africa, passed away. An amazing man. And so on the way home, when we found out, Pam said, you know, we need to call Jesse and see how he's doing. And so we got home, and I walked into another room where, we, where I wouldn't disturb people or be, be disturbed. And, and so I called Jesse, and we talked on the phone about James Stewart and what a great man of God he was and, and, and what he did and the lives he impacted and, and how he's feeling about the loss. And, and we got done, and, and then I came back out, and I said to Pam, Pam, I, I called Jesse and we talked and, it's, and, and, and told her the conversation. And, and so I'm walking off away from Pam and she goes, you scored big points. I said, what? She said, you scored big points. What does that mean? She said, well, you scored big points because, because when you called Jesse and loved him, you loved your daughter. Oh, okay, that's good. I started to walk off. She said, but wait, wait, wait. And because you love Jesse, you loved our grandson, Xander. Oh, okay, okay, that's fine. I started to walk off. She goes, no, wait, wait. And because you loved Xander, and because you loved Christy, you loved me. And I just thought I was making a phone call. So in all candor, let me tell you something, that, that Pam and I have been married for over 38 years, and sometimes she confuses me. <laughs> in 38 years, she's still a mystery to me. But because she's a mystery does not mean that she is a deterrent to me. The reason I, if, if I can't figure her out, it is not a deterrent to me. Because what I've, what I've realized is as I have pursued her, this mysterious woman, who I think I have figured out until tomorrow, <laughs> as I begin to understand her and the mysteries begin to unfold around, I find a woman who, that, who I, I decided that, that I want to pursue more because I'm discovering more about her, and my love for her goes deeper. And so I pursue that mystery about her. And so now I know things about her. I know her mysteries. You don't know them. I know her looks, some good, some not so good at me. I, I, know, I know the inflection of her voice. I know the way she touches my hand. I know her stories. I know her history. I know things about her that you will never know because you will never get that close. Never. There are own private touches and looks and winks and communication. And you'll never know that because you will never get that close. Jesus said, so here's the deal. When you are in life, and you're trusting me, and things get mysterious. Don't bail. Pursue. Because if you will pursue to get close to me, I will reveal to th things to you that you did not know. I will show you things that you need to hear, and I will reveal things you need to see. But you've got to move close to me. You've got to. 
Because if you don't, the very things you think you know, you will lose. So Jesus says to the disciples, let me show you something you didn't know. And so he says this, hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. And this is what was sown along the path. And as for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when in tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among thorns is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on the good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields, in one case a hundredfold, another sixty, and another thirty. So let me ask you a question. What is your situation? You may be sitting here and, and you say, I'm agnostic. You may say, I'm, I'm an atheist. You say, I'm, I'm trying to figure out who this Jesus is. I'm seeking out to, to understand. Or, or, or I'm a new follower of Jesus, or I used to follow Jesus, but I got all messed up, and, and, and so I'm just trying to figure out if he, if he wants me back. And so I'm just here just trying to, to understand what's going on. Or you may be a strong elder of, of this faith community. My question to you is, who is Jesus for you right now? And the answer to that is the story he just told. So look close. So who's the seed? The fourth gospel writer, John, says this as he begins to write his gospel, which means good news. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And he says, that Word became flesh and lived with us. The Word that Jesus talks about in this parable is himself, Jesus. John would go on to say, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. It is God who's doing the sowing of Jesus. And where is Jesus being placed? Jesus, according to what he has just said in this parable, Jesus is already sown everywhere in the world. The four grounds that, that Jesus describes cover all conditions of humanity. Later on, in Matthew, or earlier in Matthew 13, verse 3, he says the kingdom is like leaven. You put it in the, in the dough, and it overtakes the entire thing. In verse 38, he says the field is the world. And then he talks about the net in verse 47, and he says that net is the kingdom, and it catches all kinds. So during Christmas time, my mom came to visit. And Pam was working one day, so I took my mom to lunch, and we went to a local restaurant. And so we were about halfway through our meal, and we were being taken care of wonderfully by a server who I'd met before, this young lady, this young adult. And, and halfway through our meal, she comes up to the table, and she says, hey, do you like direct some church? I said, yeah, I kind of do that. She said, so, so, so I've got a question for you. And she starts to pour out the pain that she's been having in life. And she talks about her history with, with a community of faith, and then, and then she talks about these, she has these amazing questions about God and amazing questions about Jesus. And I'm just trying to eat a burger without the bun because I'm trying to be good during Christmas. 
And she asks these amazing questions. And she says, I want to talk to somebody that I've not talked to before, somebody fresh, because I'm not trusting the people who have talked to me before. So can you help me out? I said, yeah, I'll hook you up. And I did. Now, I want to tell you that my mom and I did not bring Jesus to that girl. But we had the wonderful privilege to announce the good news to her that Jesus had already been planted in her issues. He was there. That she was hearing him talk and couldn't recognize for sure what that was. She was beginning to see that he was revealing himself to her in her situation. That we had opportunity and, and those who will talk with her in the future to help her to hear what God is saying, what Jesus is saying to her right there in the situation she's in, and to have him reveal himself to her what he wants to happen for her and in her and through her. He's already been talking to her. Around here we call that CPR. It's our focus for this year. It means to connect, it means to have power, it means to use our resources. And that connecting part means we connect so we can help our friends see and hear Jesus. And that as we're doing that, there's this power of God's very spirit that resides within those who put their faith in him. And he says, I want to, to release my power, the very power that lifted Jesus from the grave in you so that you can help expose who Jesus is to the people around you. Because Jesus is there. Jesus is functioning. Sometimes I forget that. Years ago, I, I met with this man out of, out of Africa. He had come over and a friend had me meet him and, and he has this, this ability to, to see things in the spiritual realm and it's for real stuff and it's prophetic. And, and so he asked Pam if he and his wife could pray for us and he said, what are you thinking and what about Erie? And I said, boy, sometimes Erie is really a tough place. And, and I said, here's some of the reasons why it's a tough place. And, and, and then he looked at me and he said, you need to quit saying that. I said, Why? didn't say that out loud. I tried to be smart. I just kept my mouth shut. But instead, I'm going, why? He said, because the glory of God has already been planted in this city. You just need to see it. It's already there. You need to uncover it. You need to reveal it. So whatever the issue is that you're facing right now, the seed, the Jesus, the, the word is already in your issue. And this girl gets to see it as people help reveal it. And so that power begins to speak through you as you're, maybe you're sitting with a friend and, and that Holy Spirit is in you and, and, and you begin to uncover some thoughts and, and, and you just say to the person, have you ever thought about this? I never thought about, about that. And what's happening is the Holy Spirit is giving you wisdom for them and they say, wow, that's just wild. You say, well, that's God speaking to you. Maybe they've got an issue that they, they're sick and you, and you pray for them and they start to feel better and you go, well, that's God speaking to you. It's the same thing that Jesus sent the disciples to do to walk into communities and say, the kingdom of God is here, right here, right now. And then when our generosity begins to share, we give them a tangible understanding that there is a love that really cares for them. See, sometimes we think that the world is going to understand who Jesus is or discover him by big noise and bright colors. See, if we can entertain you, we can convince you. That's a lost cause. Really, it is. Because we can't sing any better than The Voice. We can't tell stories better than Steven Spielberg. And we cannot advertise better than Budweiser. 
But what's happening to that girl is way beyond that. What's happening to her is there is this power, this mystery that's working in her. For Jesus is mysteriously powerful. So, check out this seed. I want to to show you some seeds. See that? Those are mustard seeds. So small. Nothing big about those. Nothing exciting about that. You're not going to have a party to celebrate mustard seed. We don't have very many songs about mustard seed. It's just it's, it's small, it's dinky, it's just it's not worth much. But look what it grows into. And so that's why Jesus in Matthew 13 says this. He put another parable before them saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. See, you might not even notice, but what God is doing around you right now is a very big thing. You say, yeah, but but, but I, I feel trapped. Jesus' kingdom is bigger than our prison. And maybe it's time for us to begin to declare that he has control in our situation and that he's doing something really big in your child's life, in your son's life, in your daughter's life, even though you don't see it right now, because he's there. Maybe it's time for you to declare that he's in control and he's doing something really big in your marriage, although you don't see it. Maybe it's time for you to declare that he's doing a a big thing in your classroom. He's doing a big thing where you work. Yeah, you don't see it, but, but it's there because, because it's planted. Jesus is there. There is no place he is not planted, and there is no thing bigger than what he is growing. But you say, I, I, just, I, I don't see that. Well, duh. Ever plant anything? Ever, ever, ever seen anything get planted? Scars, you ever plant anything? So you you take a seed and you put it in the ground and what happens to the seed? What do you do with it? You put it in the ground and and, and you cover it. You cover it. Do you see it? No, but it's covered. It's underground. Seed's still there. So now you look at it and you can't see it anymore. You figure it's not working. No. You, you, You expect it to grow. It's the nature of the seed. You can't see it. It's underground, but it's growing. And the thing about a seed is it first dies, and then it resurrects. So, hey, how does that happen? I don't know. It's the nature of the seed. It dies, and it resurrects. You can't see it, but it's working. Jesus said, I'm in your situation, but I don't see you. Yeah, but I'm working underground, and something's growing. See, Jesus lived that out. He said, John said that that this word, Jesus, came to his own, and his own did not receive him. They didn't even recognize him, but he hadn't stopped working. Isaiah said that, that he would come, and he would be despised and rejected. They didn't recognize him, but he hadn't stopped working. Peter wrote that he was a stone that the builders rejected, the capstone, they threw him out. 
because they didn't recognize him, but he didn't stop working. You say, what's wrong with those people? Well, let me tell you this. There are those moments that you feel sorry for somebody, you have compassion for them, and you've clothed them, or you didn't. And Jesus said, did you understand that that was me right there and you didn't even see me? That when you came and visited that person in prison, you were coming to me? You didn't even see me. Why? Because I'm working in places you do not see, but it means I'm still working. And then to top it off, he dies and is buried. And he's still at work, growing what no power can stop. Jesus is, in, is planted in every kind of world we have. Jesus is planted in sinners and in saints' worlds. He's in the world of the best dads, and he's in the world of the deadbeat dads. He's there. He's, he's, he's in the world of the stone hippies parked in the woods of Northern California. And he's in the world of the rich senators parked in D.C. mansions. The kingdom is growing and it's bearing fruit of itself. The seed is going to do what has come to do. So listen, you say, but I'm stuck. You don't understand that I've rejected Jesus too many times. Jesus said there is that, that, that seed that that seems as if the evil has come and plucked it up and, and you reject it, you didn't take it and it's just been removed and it's not there anymore. Well, I have a question for you. Do you think the farmer ran out of seed? Do you think God says no more Jesus for you? Oh, but I'm stuck. I'm stuck because I gave up on God. Because life got really too, too tough and I thought Jesus disappeared. He did disappear. But what he was doing, he was hard at work growing his kingdom right where you quit. He's still at it. You gave up on him and he's still right there working things out and growing something big for you and he has a rescue plan for you right now. You say, I'm stuck because I neglected him. I was doing fine, but I got wrapped up in life stuff and I just quit pursuing him, I quit having intimacy with him. Look, all I know is that Jesus said there was a kid who did that and he left his father and took all the stuff and got wrapped up in it and then he messed it up and had nothing left and he said, if I can just at least go home and be a servant, maybe my father will have pity on me and when he showed up, his father celebrated him, gave him a party and gave him favor. It's time to escape from those reoccurring issues. See, the seed is there so we bear fruit. To bear fruit means not to get stuck in life, but to find Jesus in every moment. Look, there's some of you sitting here today, and you have messed up, and you feel stuck, and you say, I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I've tried, and I want to tell you that Jesus has been growing something big for you right where you got stuck. He's there. It's time for you to say, I don't have to live this way anymore. It's time to begin to understand that, that he is wanting you to bear fruit. He wants you to look around and find him in your situation right now. Say, I haven't seen him. Ask him. He'll reveal himself. Say, I trust you. I believe you're here. Because not only will that approach in life impact you, it also impacts generations. So this is my grandfather moment. I want to show you a picture of my grandson, Xander. Yeah, he's the one on the right. <laughs> and that is his great-grandpa, James Stewart. 
taken last August. Now, along with that picture, here's what we posted this week on Pam's Facebook page. It is with deep gratitude we give thanks to God for the life of James Stewart. The name James describes one who is a passionate follower. Often that intense passion influences others to also follow. James Stewart had a fiery passion to follow Jesus that influenced thousands to also become Christ followers. Thousands. He was a great defender of righteous no matter how hard the task. Often, I've heard his stories, he felt stuck, and yet he, he kept pursuing. And through his presence on earth, though his presence on earth will be missed, his legacy will continue to be lived out in the lives of those he mentored and nurtured. How thankful we are that Alexander James... Alexander meaning defender of men, and James meaning passionate follower, Alexander James McConnell, Xander, our grandson, was able to be influenced by his great-grandpa's presence and prayers. That's bearing fruit. So isn't it time to get unstuck? Isn't it time to say, I'm, I'm done with these reoccurring issues, these reoccurring doubts, these reoccurring fears, these re reoccurring attitudes? You say, hey, but it's going to be tough. But, but, but Jesus is growing this thing, and it's for you. And he wouldn't say, come, let me grow this in your life if he wasn't planning on it bearing fruit. He said, I've done this so that you bear fruit. So this week, would you do this? Would you pursue Jesus? As simple as that sounds, that is the answer, pursue Jesus. This week, would you read out of the essential Jesus, read those scriptures, you say, oh, I don't even have the book. I may not be able to get it. Well, then just read the book of John and, and ask Jesus to show you who he is. And then tell Jesus this, that you aren't going anywhere else but toward him. I'm heading your way. And then listen for your answer. I can't tell you how this works. There are times that I have felt stuck, but I've, I've come to the place that I've said, Jesus, I don't understand this, and I don't understand why you're doing this, and I don't understand why it's hurting so bad, but I'm telling you that you're the only one I'm going to trust, so whatever it takes, I'm putting my faith in you. I'm following you. You've got to answer this for me. And I'm going to tell you that I've been doing this ever since I can remember as a child, and he has never, ever, 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 ever failed me. I failed him, but he never failed me. And I discovered he's always, always growing something big. See, our problem is that we expect everything to be instant because that's the way we are in America. And God is not an AT&T, or not a, a, an ATM machine. He's not going to just pop out something for you. Ever grow anything? It takes time. One time, a, a guy came to us. We lived in California when we first married, and he showed up with a stick about this tall, just a little branch. He said, it's off my willow tree. Stick it in the ground. What? Just stick the branch in the ground. What? I figured he's going to make fun of me. I stuck the stick in the ground. Go there today, and it's the biggest tree in the neighborhood. That was over 30 years ago. So will you now understand that he's doing something right now? And that he is, he is planted and he's growing a fruitful life that is bigger than your prison. It's time for you to escape. So can I pray over you? Because I really believe that God wants, to, wants us to get past this stuff. 
For some of you, it may be instantaneous. For others, you're going you're to have to do some warfare to get through it. But he's planted something big in your life, and it's time for you to move beyond the stuff that has keep, kept you cycling around. It's his promise. He has planted himself in you and he's growing something big. And there's nothing you can do to stop it. He is growing it. It's the nature of the seed. So I'm going to invite you to stand and, and don't head out the back yet. Please stand. And I'm going to pray over you and I, and I want you close because I like you. And so if, if you would like, if you're saying that's me, I've got some stuff where I'm stuck in life. Look, it happened to me last Sunday. You say, what do you do when you're on vacation? We went to church. Not here. At a local, a local church here that I didn't have to do anything but just sit there and listen. And in the, in, in the beginning of the worship time, we're sitting there and, and the pastor says, turn to somebody around you and pray over each other. I'm an introvert. I'm not on the clock. I don't have to do this. So I reach over to this guy that I don't know and I pray over him and then he begins to pray and he prophesies over me. And he says, and he didn't know this. He said, there have been some dry, barren places in your life and God is giving you a year where it's no longer barren. I said, God, how did he know that? And it just reaffirmed to me that he has been in those moments when I said, I don't feel you, I don't see you. Because we all get that. You say you're a pastor, you feel that? Oh, more than you know. And some of you don't help things either. <laughs> I've always wanted to say that. That's so good. This is catharsis. I got more to say. <laughs> So it's just, there's just barren stuff inside of me. I've felt at times, in even meeting with Jesus, there's this drought, there's this, this, this dryness. And he said, the time for the dryness is over. And it's been changing already. So look, can we do this together? Can, can you watch this week and say, Jesus, I may not see you, but I'm declaring you are here and you're growing something really great in my family, in my job, in my, in my occupation, in my, in my schooling, in, in, in my finances. You are doing something great and I'm depending on you. Show me what you want me to, to know and, 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 and let me hear what you want me to hear. So if you want to break free, I invite you to come and just stand with me right now. We're going to pray. So head on down here. Moving close. Come on. Pam, you can come stand by me. Folks, it's time for this community of faith to get beyond the stuff that has harassed us and harangued us. It's time for us to, to, find, to find the favor of God. And, and to find blessing beyond what we comprehend. I was with some friends this week, and God blessed them in a way, and, and it was hard for them to grab it because they're so used to the way it's been, and God's saying, no, I'm moving you beyond that point. It's time for us to get beyond that stuff. And for each of us, it's going to be different, but it's all tied together because we're the community of faith. So I invite you to even take a posture of receiving, just lifting your hands to him and say, I'm going to receive whatever you've got for me.
So Father, in the name of Jesus, because we know that when we speak in that name, there's authority. We say to you collectively that we no longer, we no longer will yield to these reoccurring issues. That we say to, to that spirit of poverty, no more. To, to settling into just taking that sickness, no more. To giving into that fear, no more. To the broken relationship, no more. To the lies our heritage has taught us, no more. To, to those generational curses that have been placed upon us that have created even addictions in our lives, no more. That we are children of God. And the seed has been planted in our lives and his name is Jesus and he's growing something so much bigger than our prison and we will no longer be trapped. So Jesus, we say to you, we pursue you this week. We look for you in every moment, every occasion and say, what are you saying to us? We will listen. Reveal to us what you're doing and we will see it and we will respond. And if we fall down, we get right back up again. But we will not listen to the voices of the past, say, no longer can you have voice in my life. I'm only listening to Jesus and his word. Yes. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. It is for freedom we've been set free, and we refuse to go back to the old patterns. And we thank you, you said, if we confess our sins, you're faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all impurity. Thank you, we confess to you, we have failed at times, and you have forgiven us, and you have set us free. So we march forward from here, your children bearing fruit, for we will see you in every moment. We seal that in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Amen.